Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Lessons with Mike. I'm here today with uh, a special guest, the host of the Robot Afro Show, Mr. Chandler. What up? I'm very happy you're here. Now, this is your first time doing a podcast with someone else, is that right? Yes, this is my first time. Um, Definitely first time being interviewed. I did one joint podcast with uh, my buddy John when we were up in Vermont talking about a UFO issue um ufo sighting that we had together um the funny thing is uh, we only had one mic (laughs) you know so it was like we were on like a like a a betty and and archie date like i'm like sharing a soda i'm like man this is weird you got to get a mic so that's the only time i've ever done a podcast with someone and it was like a you know a little half an hour impromptu thingy but other than that Um, I was looking forward to doing this one because I'd never done one before and other people have asked me to do one before. And um, I just didn't, you know, I I wasn't into their platform or it just didn't seem right. It seemed like um, on one platform, one guy, he just seemed like he was gunning for me and he was gunning to disprove everything. And I said, said, that's not what I want to do. You know, I want to have a discussion, if anything, about the subject. Well, I am so happy that you're here. We have a lot of topics uh, we're gonna knock out today. First thing uh, in your in your Twitter bio and in your podcast, one of the big things you talk about is uh, anti N word. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, so I I kind of coined myself the you know anti N word advocate because after years and years of doing it, it finally dawned on me what I am. Um, number one, I'm a troublemaker. <laughs> and I, and I know it now. Um, but like John Lewis said, it's good trouble. It's good trouble. That's right. Yeah. 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 And I, I'm okay with being a troublemaker. And so, um, in being an anti N word advocate, what it means for me, um, first and foremost, I, I decided that, well, let me start at the beginning. So I initially, once I decided to do it, um, after college, I decided that, you know, after years of fumbling around and really coming into my own on it, I wanted to write a book, but I didn't know how to write a book. I wasn't a writer. Um, I had been practicing writing, but so I decided that I was going to write a blog. Um, and I started doing this blog when Kanye came out with um, In Words in Paris. Um, that was like, like the last draw for me where I said I have to engage with people now on social media and everything. Mm-hmm. So I started writing a blog and it just went from there. I mean, I just blog after blog after blog and I started going after Kanye and I started going after Russell Simmons about it. And and and, and at first it was in a way where it was like I wanted to have a conversation. But the more people would ignore me about it and the more people other people would get on me about it, the more I would want to be, you know, um, just going after the subject. And it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, I wasn't getting, I felt like I, the blog wasn't enough and people wouldn't take me seriously unless I wrote a book, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, at one point I was engaging with, you know, PhDs and people like that on applications like Twitter and stuff. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with, but Mike, Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, Professor Michael Eric Dyson, who's written like 24 books. Um, he's always on social media. He's on MSNBC. He's on CNN. You know, he's debated Jordan Peterson and, um, he and I mixed it up for a minute and he ran from me 
on the subject. And it showed me, it was like the moment in Rocky where Drago was cut. And, you know, the guy yelled out, he's cut. And I realized I made this person who is a professor and who is well revered by the community who has the wrong stance on the N-word. He ran from me on the subject. And I said, I think I got something here. So in, in, in doing this work, I wound up just coming across a lot of people in the space who at first I thought they were going to be allies. So I started off contacting a lot of people in the black community. And in a lot of cases, I was just dismissed. I was ignored. I was laughed at. I was not supported. And it just took me a long time to realize like how much work I had cut out for me. And it was like, are you committed to this? Is this, you know, is this the hill you're going to wage your battle on? And it was like, shit, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. So um, Maya Angelou, um, the great poet, um, poet laureate of our time, was, you know, she was on a show called Iconoclast. And she was talking to Dave Chappelle and um, Dave Chappelle, you know, she was telling him that, you know, um, the N word is poison. And she was, you know, went through this whole brilliant metaphor. I don't want to screw it up, but it basically what it boiled down to is what she was trying to tell him is no matter how beautiful the, 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 the thing that you put it in is if you, if it says poison, it's poison no matter what, it, no matter what. So the N word is poison. And she tried to explain this to him and he just didn't get it. In the same way, Oprah tried to break it down to Jay-Z and she tried to tell him that, you know, the N word had to be the last thing that literally millions of our ancestors heard before they were killed, before they were lynched, burned, hung, put on boats, you know, whatever it was. And um, it's like, these guys are so committed to the idea of, you know, communicating what I refer to as the language of our former slave master. This is this was his favorite word. This was their favorite word. This was the word that was used to destroy us. It was used to emasculate us, to humiliate us, to literally bring us harm. Mm -hmm. You know. Oh yeah. So, and it, it's very prevalent in in the culture, like uh, in movies and music. Uh, if you watch any Quentin Tarantino movie, I mean, that's probably the most used word in a lot of his movies. Yeah, he is Quentin Tarantino for a while. When I was um, doing my blogs, he was literally like the bane of my existence. Like I, I wrote three or four different really long blog posts about how I felt like Django was one of the worst characters. Um, it was one of the worst movies. And he was like lorded in the black community as like this hero. And, you know, I would be telling people, I'm like, listen, I'm a, I'm a person of logic, right? So that's just how my mind works. So I may not know something, but if I look at something and you can break it down logically, you can see whether or not there's flaws in it. So when I looked at Django, I said, man, Django was riding on a horse. He would come upon slaves who were running away. He wouldn't even tell them 
about the North Star. He wouldn't even tell him which way to go. He was only concerned about his mission. So it wasn't like it was like Tarantino couldn't even make this guy somebody that somebody to root for. He just made him. He just it was almost like the movie was like a vehicle just to say the N word. So as many times as possible. So and, and I've noticed um, when he appears in his movies, coincidentally, he's the only white person in the in the movies typically who says the N word. And there's the, the whole scene in Pulp Fiction where it's just oh. four minutes of him saying it. 20 or 30 times like what was the purpose of that i feel like you just used it as an excuse to put yourself in a scene or in a scenario where in your mind it was justifiable to you yeah and, and when you when you watch that particular scene there's really no reason for him to say it so because the, the you have quentin tarantino's character and sam jackson's character apparently they have some type of relationship so why would you be referring to the guy who was dead as a dead N-word in that way? When you guys, you, you weren't hostile towards each other. You weren't supposed to be. This was supposed to be a working thing. This was supposed to be, you guys are supposed to be on the same team. So it was like, why as a writer, would you have that character say the N-word in that scene? It just didn't even make any sense to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and another thing with the, quentin tarantino movies so uh in django you were talking about that earlier so allegedly leonardo dicaprio was uh trying to hold back on saying it so much and sam jackson basically said to him oh i hear that shit every day and this is just this is just pretend so you you need to get with the program and say your lines basically is what he said and i don't know i i feel like i understand the historical aspect but at the same time is it necessary yeah. I don't think it. I don't think it's as necessary in that context. Like if you're showing like a documentary, maybe in that context you could be. I don't know, but I feel like a lot of it was just you could blame it on the writers, the actors, whoever you want to blame it on. But but like we were saying earlier, a lot of it is just a pathway uh, for you to excuse your own prejudices, perhaps in a way. Yeah, I mean in in Django they said the n-word more than it's the most that's ever been said in the movie it was almost like they were trying to break a record mm-hmm. and i i to be honest um sam jackson saying the word i know this may sound you know a little cocky but i feel like he does not understand the issue and a lot of people feel like because a person is a celebrity that they have a better understanding than the average person and I feel like I, I've tried to reach him over the years. I tried to reach out to him. I tried to reach out to him in any way I could. Now, I, you know, never got back to me. Most people don't. Uh, most people just get, you know, they get defensive if I bring the N-word. The few celebrities who I have or people of note that I have been able to establish contact with, they break away from me very quickly the minute we start really getting into it. And um, I always wanted to have a conversation. He's like my, my dream person to sit down because I feel like if I could talk to somebody who is really all in on it, but just doesn't understand why they're all in, they think sometimes you can think that you're so right about something and someone could say one thing mm-hmm. that could turn you around and make you realize that you were just boisterously feeling like you were right about the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I've had moments just like that, just like you're describing you're so dead set on something 
and then you get one other perspective, one other piece of information, one person, one perspective, your entire worldview, it just shatters. You see things in a completely different light. Moments like that can definitely happen. And the big argument for the use of that word is, and Jay-Z, I think, was one of the big promoters of this, was, oh, we're taking it back. We're reclaiming this. Uh, it no right. longer has power over us. And, and part of me understands that. But another part, and a lot of this is coming from stuff that you've said on your podcasts and stuff that you had said earlier. It was the last thing a lot of people heard before being brutally killed. So how does that honor the memory of all these people that were killed, tortured, in some cases raped and abused? And, and how does that honor that memory? How does it how does it progress forward? I'm not understanding that. Yeah, I, I, I truly believe that um, back then, Jay-Z might have believed that that's true. But at this point, it's kind of an issue of you've been saying this so long. I mean, people grow, right? This Jay-Z said that about maybe uh, at least 10 years ago. So people are supposed to grow. That man has been around the world several times. He deals with leaders and kings. He's supposed to have looked at it because one of the arguments is they're just reflecting what they see in the street. And my kind of argument back to that is always, well, if it, it, a mirror is not just used for reflection, a mirror mm -hmm. is used to make adjustments. It's used to alter, it's used to correct. Mm -hmm. So if you're just reflecting and you're 10 years later, then that means you haven't grown. You haven't, you haven't, and, and I feel like there's a, a vested interest in not growing because you have, this is where you make your money. This is where your credibility lies. So if you're Jay-Z, you're the titular head of the hip hop and the rap community in the streets, you can't go back on your word now. So you have to kind of use this to continue it. You know, you, you're not, you're not taking, you can't take something back. One thing I, you know, in, in one of the last podcasts I did, I, you know, I, I wound up coming up with this thing where it was like, you don't take something inside of your culture and try to exercise it that way, or you're not taking it back. You're taking it in, but you're destroying yourself. It's like, I'm going to eat all of this poison to make the poison go away. See, there's no more poison out there because I've eaten it all. That You're not going to cure yourself like that. You're just going to make yourself sicker. It might That's appear that it's gone, but you've actually taken it in. That's a really good analogy. And and let me just tell you this from someone from a, from a different community. It, a lot of people, they look at the black community and they see that excessive use of that word in some people's minds, that's telling them that's a signal that it's becoming more acceptable. Donald Trump, for instance, uh, he had a massive rally a few weeks ago and he made an allusion to it. You can see this clip. I'm not even making this up. He said, they don't want me to say the N word. And the crowd started cheering. Right. And he's oh, like, wow. oh, no, not that one. I meant nuclear. I was like, no, you didn't. Like, what are you? No. Wow. I'm going to look that up. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, it's all kind of like little slick ways that people are trying to grease it into the, 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 the conversation, any conversation that they can. It's like, you know, one of the, the biggest problems I've had with this word is that, see, when it comes to Black people, 
the reason why when a lot of times people say, well, black people use it, and why can't we use it if black people are using it? What most people don't really understand is that black people have been brainwashed with this word for over 400 years. Mm-hmm. You see, we came here not speaking the same, our, our own language. And so they broke up different, all the different tribesmen from Africa, they broke them apart into different peoples, into all those, spread them out all over the place. So people within the same tribe couldn't even communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, the only language we could speak was the language of our captors. And then in doing that, you know, once you corrupt that, that language now, once you corrupt that bond with the N-word, it's like, well, where do you go from there? You see, you don't speak your own language now. And then even speaking the language of your captors, that's been corrupted with the slave master's tongue. So, you know, it's a really weird thing that's been going on here for 400 years. And most people think, you know, it's just normal that black people say this. And I'm like, no, it's called brainwashing. Because mm-hmm. if you look at uh, uh, many slaves back then, they weren't even allowed to have names. They were stripped of all individuality. And in right, many right. cases, they weren't even allowed to communicate with each other. Uh, if they were caught speaking with each other or communicating, they would get whipped, beaten, killed in some cases. And yeah. when when you don't have a name, and that's all that you're called that you are called, the master or the, the the master calls you that. Anyone else in the plantation calls you that. Other slaves end up calling you that, and and it just prom promulgates and permeates throughout because there's nothing else available. And hundreds of years have passed. You can still see some of that. Right. And, 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 and so, you know, in, in keeping with that, now here we are today, and the N-word is the most prevalent word in the Black community. So a, a couple of years ago, I put out the preface to the book that I'm writing, which is the, it's called The N-Word Virus. And the only reason why I decided to write the book, I didn't want to write it. Like my, primarily what I would love to do, I, I want to write comic books. I want to be a comic book writer. I write stories and create characters, and that's what I want to do. This came about because I, I felt like I had no choice. And, and when I look at the way it's so prevalent in the Black community now, the first thing I said was, in writing the book, I said, I'm going to ask a question. And if nobody out there could answer me, then I know that I'm on the right track. And what I said is, I put out a challenge to every single Black scholar in the world. I said, can you think of another word that is more closely associated with the black community than the N word? Mm. And nobody would answer me. And then I started reaching out to these professors and different people. And occasionally they would argue with me, but only briefly. I don't know if you know who Mark Lamont Hill is. Um, Professor Mark Lamont Hill, he was a professor at Columbia University. Um, He's very well known. He's been on, he was on Bill O'Reilly's straight man for a while on Fox News. Um, he's been on CNN. He's been everywhere, literally everywhere. Well, I asked him about the N-word, his use of the N-word on Twitter. He engaged with me for about 30 seconds and then he ran from me and blocked me. Okay, blocked me. This is a guy who was a Columbia. He used to be, I think, I forget where he teaches. I think he teaches at Temple now. But he, he quit Temple, to, he quit um, Columbia to go teach at Temple, I believe. And 
so this is an extremely educated person who's been on television. He writes books. He actually owns a bookstore, ran from me on the subject of the N-word. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's almost like some people, I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I would need to hear from this. I feel like some people have a vested interest in it continuing on. Well, I can definitely understand that because like we had said earlier, if Jay-Z or if Kanye suddenly come out and say, oh, we should never use this, then their entire backlog of music would have to be changed for the most part or have to be done away with. And that's where the money is. Mm -hmm. And as long as there's money in it, people are going to push for it to continue. That's and right. here, here's my question, regardless of um, why it's come to pass or how it has come to pass, can anyone come up with a benefit that this is giving to the community or to anyone really? Because I can't, from the outside, I don't see any benefits to this, to the continuation of this. I see a lot of negative things. I see this further pushing race divisions. I see it mm -hmm. further harming the black community and, and the white community. And I don't see any benefits. Maybe someone more intelligent than me can come up with something, but I don't see anything. No, uh, I think you're intelligent enough, first of all. But second of all, I, I, I don't, there is no benefit. And that's a question that I've asked many a time out loud. I've asked, like, what is the social benefit? What is the spiritual benefit? Whatever it is you want to attach to it. What, how does this benefit us? It doesn't not in the least bit. So one of the things that I like to do when I approach people who are, you know, users and abusers of the word is I, I like to ask them, what would it cost you to stop using it? For instance, if it's a comedian, I would say to them, can you not be funny without it? Or if it's a rapper, can you not rap without it? Does rap fall apart? Is this somehow atom so atomized within the context of what it is that you're doing? that it's like a binding agent almost. And to, to lose it if, it, if it falls away, then your whole act falls apart? That doesn't even make any sense. So it's like, what is the impetus for you continuing to do it? If this is all you have, are you using it as a crutch? Do you, yeah. are you not confident in, in your own ideas that you have to use this thing? Like, like one of Dave Chappelle's biggest, uh, big comedy skits that he did, uh, was a, a black person who was blind and just happened to be uh, the president of a Klan chapter. And the whole joke was he was a black dude that was blind that kept saying the N-word. I'm like, like, what's the, like, what are you doing? Yeah, it, it, see, and, and I think that because people feel like, you know, if you use humor, you, it becomes this social lubricant where, you know, everyone is comfortable with the word and now we can all relax. But here's, here's the thing that I think that a, a, an aspect of it, I don't think they're paying attention to. So we, as a society, one of the things that we're now doing, which I love, is we are removing all of the words that not, not just removing words for the sake of doing it, but words that actually hurt, like the R word. So when it comes to mental health, we don't use the R word anymore. Like when it comes to the gay community, we don't use the F word anymore, rightfully so, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. You could go look at every single culture and see that we have removed their slurs from general conversation and words, except for the N word. Mm -hmm. and, and, and because you, we, we've 
made it so prevalent in all of our music and our movies and our magazines and everything. It's like, people's like, oh, well, we can't remove the N-word, then you would have to get rid of everything, you know? And it's like, well, you know, nobody says that when it comes to big issues like the environment. Mm -hmm. Nobody said that when it came to smoking. Nobody says it to a lot of things. The only thing people feel like is that it's the N-word is impossible. And I feel like that's a form of, you know, uh, cognitive dissonance. Mm -hmm. you, know? you make a very interesting point when you talk about other terms, like uh, in the gay community, for instance, I don't know a single gay person who is comfortable with that word or that uses that word. So why is it that in the black community that not only do they want, do the, like the big people want you to be comfortable with using that word, they want to profit off of using that word. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a, it's a weird one. And I, I actually have a friend, um, personal friend, someone I've known since kindergarten, who has been on the executive side of the music industry. And he and I have had some of the biggest, loudest shouting matches to quiet conversations about it. And I'm talking about this guy is whip smart, okay? Smart as, a, as anything, okay? And I'm sitting here talking to him and I'm like, how is it that you go from being this incredibly smart, talented, well-articulated human being, but then you fall back on this word and you keep using it? And I said to him, it's because if you stop doing it, then people will look at you're afraid that people will look at you funny and be like, why are you getting rid of the word? What's the problem with you? Maybe you losing a little bit of street cred. Maybe you're losing a little bit of, you know, yourself. It's almost like if you stop using it, it's like, oh, why are you doing that? Because they told you to do it. That's our word now. We're taking it back. You can't, you don't take it back. There is no taking it back. It's not our word. It's a word that was used to, you know, uh, uh, I forget the exact phrase that Maya Angelou used, but uh, it, she basically said that this word was, was used to destroy us. And now we've, 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 we've taken it in and we've taken it into our culture and we, 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 we've disseminated it to our children. We're passing this on to our children now. So that now that these kids are growing up, these kids are growing up with the N-word as normal culture. Mm -hmm. And so you turn around to them, you know, like if I'm on the bus, if I'm riding the bus with a train in New York City, there was a time where I could turn to them, to the kids and be like, yo, chill out with that. Do that now. They'll try to kill you. They'll, you get jumped trying to tell a group of black kids to stop using the N-word now. You know, it's, it's so, they, they so, they feel ownership of it. That, that, I want to bring up a point that you just made me think of. You, you have a black child right now in a public school setting or any kind of school setting. They're hearing the same exact things, the same exact language directed at them from their peers that a black slave child would have heard two, 300 years ago. And that's so interesting when you think about it like that, because yeah. like there hasn't this, the, the implicate Brown versus board of education. I studied, I studied this for uh, one of my psychology classes, the whole argument that was used to get rid of the whole separate, but equal thing was uh, they took the, the black children, the white children, and they gave them dolls, a black doll and a white doll. And all the kids, the black children, the white children, they all said that they wanted to play with the white doll. 
because the white doll was nicer. The white you cannot be separate and equal. So mm. when you put the, someone in that same environment, I, I wonder what sort of long-term psychological negative impacts these children are going to have. Devastating. Um, one of the things that I've noticed um, is that, so the same way I say um and ah, which mm -hmm. the author, one of my favorite authors, um, Hugh Prather, wrote a book called Notes to Myself. He said, um, you basically, you worry about the um and the ah. That's not for me to worry about. That's me thinking. And so out loud. And so now what I've noticed is that a lot of Black children are using the N-word as an um and an ah. Um, it becomes what I've said is the static that exists in between regular speech and language. It's almost like a, a speech impediment now to where, you know, um, I live in New York City, so, and travel around here um, extensively. And I also live in Los Angeles. So I go back and forth, I have a sick parent, um, which is why I'm here now. Um, but in walking the streets in New York, it's disgusting. Um, it's disgusting here and it's so, it's so widespread and it's so prevalent that I fear for these kids because they don't understand the historical applications. They don't understand this historical ramifications. So now in the present day, when they're using it in such a widespread way, they don't even know why. And they don't want to hear the history. They don't want to hear it because Jay-Z, the, their great leaders are not telling them to stop saying it. I, 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 I don't mean to prattle on, but I, I just want to say, because we're on the subject of Jay-Z. So I just recently said this, Beyonce, his wife, said one of the dumbest things I have ever heard a public figure say. What was she? Was a few years ago, and I, I don't want to talk about Beyonce. Beyonce is beautiful. I don't want to talk about this lady. But she was in South Africa. Her and Jay-Z were in South Africa together um, a few years ago. And while she was, and she was, they, they were at a festival for Nelson Mandela, celebrating Nelson Mandela. And in a crowd of thousands, Beyonce said, free my N-words. But she actually said the word. Now, that, 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 that seems, that's stupid. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, so, no. it's so stupid. I don't even have the vocabulary to come up with a word to describe how stupid it is. Um, I feel like my brain glitched after when I heard you say that. <laughs> <laughs> little glitch in the matrix there. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it blows me away whenever I come across stuff like this. I'm like, how is it possible that you don't understand that? Think about this. So you're reinfecting the motherland with the language of our former slave masters. Mm -hmm. How crazy is that? So now I have a friend who, who, who went over to Africa, right? And he said, um, I, I forget where he went in Africa, but um, he said when he got off the plane, wherever he was, he said the first thing they did, um, the guys that would come and try to take his bags and give him a cab, they were saying, oh, my nigga, my nigga, my nigga. You know, excuse me for saying the word, but this is, you know, I'm trying to communicate. This is what they're telling him. And he's blown away because he doesn't use the word. And he's from America. So he's like, why am I in Africa hearing this? But they're saying it because they think that that's what we want to hear. Wow. That, 
that is so interesting because you have a negative term or what was largely intended as a negative term and because of the culture and because of the, the big business leaders and the CEOs and the executives, they've twisted the minds of a whole other continent to now start yeah. using the same word that th- their own people were kidnapped, tortured, driven on ships, stripped of all personality and individuality. And now that they, the, these people are now convinced that that's what people want to be called. And that's just so yeah. crazy to me. Yeah, but just like, you know, what, you know, so, so right now, one of the essays that I'm working on in the book is called Music in the Brain. And, you know, I, one of the things that I talk about is something that they used to refer to in hip hop as donkey rhythm. And it's just like that repetitive beat over and over. But now when you attach a word or phrase, phraseology to that donkey rhythm, you get this repetitive nature to where now you've got people growing up with it. Now you have people being nostalgic with it. You have people making love to it. You have literally people making love to the music that was used to destroy us. How about that? How crazy is that? You know, that but is, when you, it's insane to me. And I know the argument that we're going to get back from this is, oh, we're reclaiming it. We're taking it back. Let me just say this, this might be a little controversial, but you don't see any, I, I personally, I've never seen this. Maybe it exists. I, I'm doubtful it does, but I've never seen anyone in the Jewish community uh, playing or getting together and singing a bunch of Nazi Germany songs. I, I, it's right. absurd. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's also from, from my end, the way I look at it, I try to, to lay off of conspiracy. Right. Even yeah. though I find conspiracy interesting when it comes to things like this, I, as much as I try to lay off of conspiracy, it's almost impossible because it makes me feel like who is profiting off of this. And when you look at how do you keep a people down? Well, if I can keep you oppressed, if I can keep you depressed, if I can keep your tongue depressed, your ability to speak and communicate properly. If I could stifle your young people, I can keep you in jail. If I can control what you say, I can control where you go. I can control what you do. And if on the other hand, I create private prisons, well, then I'm just keeping slavery going because I've got you enslaved already. I got you loving the language of your former slave master to the beat. Not only do I got you loving it, I got your kids loving it. I got you making love to it, you see? So you love it. You love your slave master and you, you may not know it. You may not say that but your actions are telling the story, you know? It's and weird, man. It's indicative, really, because by keeping this alive, you're, in a way, keeping slavery alive, because this is something that the slave masters came up with. A black person didn't come up with this. I don't believe so. I mean, maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but this word originated from the slave masters. Yeah, it was uh, originally it was, you know, uh, you know, some linguistics uh, experts have traced it back to, you know, Spain and the word um, negro and or person from Niger. And, you know, next thing you know, it becomes a derogatory phrase. It becomes nigger. Um, But, you know, and, and as time went on, you know, we begin to to hear this word so often 
that it became something where it was like you just responded to it, you just answered to it. But here we are, we, we're now here in America, we're hundreds of years removed from that. Some of us are millionaires and billionaires, middle class, well off, educated, professors, lawyers, doctors, saying it, and it's like, why are you still entrapped by this? You, you, you brought up the fact that like the Jews don't say this and they don't say it because their culture is intact. Their mm. culture has remained intact. You see, part of it is, part of it to me is that black people do not speak a language that is common to us. We don't speak our own language. And when you don't speak your own language, it creates a weird situation where people are now giving you language. And when somebody gives you directed language that is used to destroy you, if their means is to keep you in jail, right? If their means is to keep the system of jail going and to keep you relegated to the bottom, then, and you don't know it, all I got to do is package it the right way, put it to the beat, put it to the music, and you will march your ass right into jail. All you, your children, and your entire brood, everybody, right in the jail, you won't even know it because it becomes a part of you. It becomes a part of your culture. It becomes a part of your surroundings. You know, I hear people walking down the street. Hey, what's up, my aunt? What's up, man? What up, yo? And they, you know, they don't even think about it. And if I say something to them, they'll turn around and look at me like I'm crazy, like I'm an alien. Hmm. That, I got a question for you. Has, sure. uh, has, have you seen usage of this go up over the past 10, 20 years? Has it gone up or what? Like exponentially like 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 from toho godzilla to godzilla today <laughs> i mean like the size has just grown bigger to the point where it's like it's it's i see it still as this small issue that can be tackled and it could be tackled by just a few people right if you went to the right people and you could convince the right people then the right people could convince the rest of everybody else. So it's like if a Jay-Z or if a Beyonce, Beyonce just came out with an album. I know I'm jumping around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's okay. Beyonce just came out with this album, Renaissance, that's being lorded as the second coming, right? And to the point where people like Michelle Obama is like, oh my God, Renaissance, we're having a watch party for this. So you get all of these important people around and they're listening to this music. And here's the thing. I went through every song on that album and the N word is said a couple of times, you see, but just that couple of times in a couple of songs gives it a certain level of credibility. Like mm -hmm. the first lady is into this. If the first lady is into it, who are you Chandler? Who are you to say something? Who are you? You're the odd man out, you see? So now I look crazy to a lot of people because here I am, I'm the guy going against everything everybody likes. I'm the guy going against Beyonce, Jay-Z, Michelle Obama, <laughs> Doja Cat. You know, you could just keep going on and on and naming all of these people. And it's like, well, they would look at me and say, what's your problem? My problem is, is that for better or for worse, I'm not brainwashed. And guess what? Not everybody in the black community is. 
That's right. I mean, you're what I've noticed, and we have, we had touched on this a little bit, is younger people in the black community, for the most part, are more okay with the term. But if you go back, people who are you know a little older, they're not so okay with it. And like like we have been touching on, the problem is you get this disseminated in the culture, in the in the schools, in the music, and more and more people, unfortunately, I think, are becoming okay with this without realizing all the harm that it has caused and without realizing we're only two or three gener- two or three people ago we had slaves uh mm-hmm. your your grandfather's or my grandfather's grandfather was in a both of us probably we can t- we can say that same thing and we're in the slavery times mm-hmm. yeah and i'm i'm older than you i'm fi- i'm 53 so yeah. my my dad was born in 1937 okay wow. My dad lived in, uh, grew up in rural Alabama. Okay, I only went to the, they had a farm. I only went to the farm once, but it was acres. It was dozens of acres. And uh, my grandmother, my, my dad's mother at the time, um, when, when, when they were young, she had a dispute with a Caucasian landowner owner who, and their dispute was over like animals wandering onto each other's property. And um, so one day this, Caucasian guy comes over who owns his property and he called my grandmother the n-word and my grandmother jumped over the fence and whooped his ass nice and Good grandma yeah and so then a posse showed up you know with the constables and everything and they literally told her it was like either we take her to jail or or we're gonna hang him and my grandmother wound up going to jail. She went to prison for like six months behind, you know, beating up this guy over the N-word. I guess that's why it, it's, it's so ingrained in me. But he, here's, here, here's a thing that I, I wanted to bring up that I, I keep forgetting. Um, so I, I brought up this guy, Mark Lamont Hill, who is a professor, well-known media figure, right? And there's another one, Michael Eric Dyson. These are considered to be two of the smartest men in the world in, in, in media, in as far as public intellectuals go, uh, uh, as far as any uh, ethnic group goes. Like I said, Michael Eric Dyson uh, was just mixing it up with Jordan Peterson. So like they all run in the same circles. Michael Eric Dyson ran from me and Mark Lamont Hill ran from me. And so right here on your show, I'm calling them out because I feel like if you can say, if you can get to the smart ones, you see the super smart ones that everybody else looks to and they say, well, if Michael Leverick Dyson and Mark Lamont Hill say it's okay, then of course it's okay. These guys are doing stuff like uh, Michael Leverick Dyson. He's doing the forward for uh, a, a book for like Nas or something like that. Like he's buddies with JD. And I feel like, they, if, if they say the N-word is no good, if they tell them to stop using it, then they're no longer cool. You see, they're no well, longer I accepted. I agree with that. You, you got Change can only come from two ways, right? You can either go bottom up or top down. But there's a third option a lot of people don't think of. It's when you s- synthesize, right? People at the bottom meet with people at the top. We make things happen. And... I, I hope those people, I hope they reach out to you. I hope this, I hope some conversations can be had 
and that something can be done about this because I really don't think any positive actions or any positive uh, repercussions are happening by keeping this around and keeping this uh, growing, really. I don't think anything positive is coming from it. Yeah, I, I would love to, but both of these brothers ran from me. This is this guy, Mark Lamar Hill, he literally ran from me on Twitter. And then another professor who I guess had observed the exchange, he said to me, he said, I've never seen that guy run from anybody before. This is a guy who speaks at the United Nations. This is a guy who's on CNN, on Fox, on MSNBC. He argues with everybody about it. He'll argue with anybody about anything. He said he ran from you. I couldn't believe it. And I, I listen, I know I, I don't want to downplay myself. I know I'm not a dummy, but at the same time, I know I'm not the smartest guy in the room either. So why are you running from me on the subject? That really weirds me out. That if you're running from me, it's like, why is this? It shouldn't be on me. I shouldn't be the loudest voice in the black community. And, you know, and, and I'll tell you another thing that's really, really bothersome. Almost no support on Twitter. Almost no support, not even by the black people that follow me. So I may get it out of, let's say I, I have 500 people that follow me on Twitter. And the only reason why it's so low in that sense is because I've had to block people from because of the N word, yeah. you know, but <laughs> You know, it's just it's it's just it's just weird, man. That I to to get almost zero support. I mean, there are a few people. I would say there are about ten people out of the five hundred people that follow me on on just Robot Afro, not even under my name, which is thousands, but under Robot Afro, five hundred people, maybe ten black people on there will occasionally retweet my stuff. And I'm like, I'm sitting there like, this is stuff that can help your children. This is stuff that is gonna help our culture. So it's like, we have this thing that we do as a community where we'll uplift everybody else. We'll help everybody else. We'll stand up for everybody else. But then when you turn around and say, well, what about you? What about y'all with the N word? It's like, huh, what you mean? That's the N word is a term of endearment. Jay-Z said, and it's like, there it is, celebrity rules. Mm. Because if a celebrity says it, then that then it's set in stone. You know, I want to talk about geek stuff. Like, I want to, I'm a, I'm a geek geek. Like, I'm a real geek. I'm an old right. school geek. I love geek stuff. Like, I wish I didn't have to, like, I wish the N-word wasn't a, such a big part of my world. But it's well, like. This is something you're clearly very passionate about. And I agree with you. If more people really understood how deep this went, then I feel like there would be change that would start to happen. Um, but with all the, the push coming from the top, everyone saying, oh, this is OK. Oh, this is art. This is this is uh, this is ours now. But changing that thinking is going to take a lot. And, and, and please don't get discouraged because you're only getting a little bit right now. But, you know, a seed takes a lot of time to turn into a tree i think i think with enough push eventually i think there could be some significant change on this yeah i mean i i definitely um you know I, although i'm an atheist <laughs> i um i tend to you know i say i call on the ancestors a lot you know and i just 
I, I ask for strength. You know, I just, you know, I, 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 I have this, um, I have an old sign from, I'm looking at it now. It's from 1932. It's a metal colored entrance, colored entrance only sign um, from Atlanta, Georgia. And it's all rusted out and everything. And um, whenever I get down on myself, whenever I feel like, you know, the issue is bogging me down, I put both my hands in, on it and then place my forehead on it. And I just beg the ancestors to just give me a little bit more strength, you know, to not, you know, because it's like, after a while, it's almost like, you know, I get clowned about it. You know, I get, you know, people laughing at me about it. I had somebody the other day tell me, uh, he was like, oh, I knew you were stupid when I saw it said you was an anti-N word, you know? And I'm just like, how is that possible? That that's, <laughs> that I'm the bad guy? I'm the dumb one? <laughs> a, a, a lot of people just don't know their own history. And it's both of us, I can tell, we've studied history. We, But if you don't know, there's a, there's a term in the in the Greek in Greek language for someone who's willingly ignorant, and at, at at this point, I think a lot of these people are are they're on that line between they just clueless or if they're choosing to be clueless. Yeah, yeah, willful willful ignorance is uh, it's a scary thing because it, it it's it's like you're almost like proud of it, and when you know a part of it too, it almost feels like people on the internet are afraid to be wrong. The internet like trains you to not lose face. The internet trains you to not be shown or proven to be wrong. It's just like with reality TV. Everything is, if somebody says something to somebody, the next thing you know, they're throwing a drink and they're fighting because nobody wants to look bad. Well, nobody wants to be proven wrong on the internet, even though it's just digital, you see? But if I tell somebody something about the N-word, then it's like, well, how can I, acknowledge to you that I'm wrong without looking bad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird cycle, man. I guess it's and, the same thing with anything. Oh yeah. And I think the reason being is if you're wrong, somehow that correlates into you're not getting enough clicks and it's all about the clicks. Oh, if this <laughs> number isn't, I need this number to get higher. Otherwise my life has no value. Oh, that's a whole other episode right there. I did my college thesis on how social media is creating a whole new wave of depression in younger people because it's all about the number how do i get the mm. number up? what do i do to get the number up and oh man but that's a whole other episode right there we can talk about that for a while yeah that's the uh that's the dopamine clicks you yeah. know it's like it's like a monkey you keep pushing that thing and then the next thing you know you you know you're fucking up your dopamine receptors yeah. and you know you you know you don't realize that you're actually causing yourself a problem because it's like a it's like a drug addict if a drug addict is they doing so many drugs that you've destroyed your dopamine receptors. And so now you got to do a different kind of drug. You got to do a higher drug. You know, you got to do something else and you keep going and messing yourself up. And that's a, that's a hell of a thing to do a thesis on. Oh, yeah. Well, let me tell you this right now. Uh, for our next episode, we'll chill. We'll take a break from the series. We'll do a real geeky episode. We'll talk about uh, We'll do the X-Men. That's what we'll do. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait. I would love to. I would love to do that. I, I'll tell you right now, uh, without thinking too much on it, my three favorites are going to have to be uh, Juggernaut, Logan, and 
Magneto. Got to be my. Those are my three. I, I, without thinking about it too much. Mm, I'm gonna have to say my favorites are Logan, Hank McCoy, and oh, probably Storm. Yeah, nice. probably Storm. So that that could change though. That's subject yeah. to change. But I, I can't wait to do that with you, man. I I, I cannot wait. Well, thank you so much for being on this one and talking with me about this. Uh, this is something you're very passionate about. I hope everyone who's listening, uh, because I have a lot of listeners from African countries and Asia and Middle Eastern countries, places like Kenya, Saudi Arabia. And I really hope anyone from those countries, if you're listening, if you'd like to provide some perspective on how this word is in your culture, I'd love to hear it. If you're from somewhere else and you have some perspective or some feedback, I'd love to hear that as well. But I hope you all, after listening to this, think about the, the words you choose to say a little bit more and, and try and understand the impact that this word in particular has had and will continue to have. That was a great end cap. It was my absolute pleasure. I had a blast talking to you. You're very easy to talk to, which is why I wanted to talk to you in the first place. And I just want to say really quick for anybody um, that's listening, please make sure you come over to the Robot Afro Show and support me and support Mike as well. We support each other. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. now you know that we're two people that are on the same page when it comes to this issue. And just like Batman said to Commissioner Gordon, now we are two. That's Thanks right. a lot, Mike. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for having me on. I'm glad I chose the right person to have my first interview with. It was a blast. I appreciate you, man. I can't wait Absolutely, to talk about man. some you were other great. stuff. You had, a lot, you had a lot of great stuff to say. I really enjoyed it. All right, man. You have a good night. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Go check out Chandler's stuff at the Robot Afro Show on Twitter. And I believe you're on most platforms. You're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And yep. Yeah, be sure to share this with your friends. Share it with your share it with people who hate you too. Why not share it with the whole world? Get it <laughs> That's out. right. That's and, right. Yeah, and I'll be back again with Chandler. Uh, we're gonna do a like we said, we're doing that X Men episode. So stay tuned for that. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. I appreciate you, buddy. No problem. You have a good one. See ya. All right. Bye. You too. Peace, man.